Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Welcome back, Wanderers. In today's episode of the Beginner's Guide to the Lord of the Rings podcast, we will finish our adventure with Baron the Man and Luthien the Elf Maiden. Indeed, like the hobbits in the Hall of Fire in Rivendell, you will hear, quote, in full, the lay of Baron and Luthien and the winning of the Great Jewel. That's from the Fellowship of the Ring, and perhaps gives the ending away. But there's still plenty of darkness, doom, and death to pass through before their quest is complete. I'll be analyzing the last portion of the chapter called Of Baron and Luthien, from a book called The Silmarillion, written by J.R.R. Tolkien and published after his death by Ballantine Books in 1977. A link to purchase The Silmarillion from Amazon is in the show notes. Welcome to the Beginner's Guide to the Lord of the Rings podcast. We explore the foundational, epic stories from the deep past of Middle-earth. If you enjoy J.R.R. Tolkien's books, or maybe Peter Jackson's movies, or perhaps you're excited for Amazon Studios' new series, The Rings of Power, and you want to dive deeper into the rich world of Middle-earth, then listen and subscribe. Lagovanian, fellow wanderers. Today's episode date is May 12th. On this day in Middle-earth, in the year 2941, Bilbo is traveling with the dwarves near Weathertop on his adventure to the Lonely Mountain. This is adapted from the Today in Middle-earth History calendar on the OneRing.net. Let's check the map. I hope these map checks each episode help you remember where we are in the vast history of Middle-earth. I call them map checks in honor of the beautiful maps that accompany the Lord of the Rings books. If none of this makes sense, please listen to a few previous episodes and catch back up. It is the first age of Middle-earth. Morgoth, the Dark Lord, retains possession of the three precious Silmarils. Baron, a man, has fallen in love with Luthien, an elven princess. To win her willing hand, he must reclaim a Silmaril from Morgoth's Iron Crown and present it in his hand to Luthien's father, Thingol. Luthien saved Baron from the dungeons of Sauron's tower after defeating and humiliating Sauron. In disguise, they stand now at the gate of Angband, Morgoth's northern fortress. Remember to look for some common patterns, such as doom, the power of music, physical suffering, the importance of hands, liminal spaces, and death versus immortality. Standing guard at the gates of Angband is a creature that no one had yet heard of. Knowing the doom of the wolfhound Juan, that he would be slain only by the mightiest wolf to ever walk the earth, Morgoth had personally fed a great wolf named Karcharoth. This wolf had been filled with, quote, a devouring spirit, tormented, terrible, and strong. Even in fell disguises, they were not permitted to pass Karcharoth. Suddenly, Luthien cast off her disguise and commanded the wolf to sleep, and he immediately fell asleep. Quote, then Baron and Luthien went through the gate, and down the Lamparinthian stairs, and together wrought the greatest deed that has been dared by elves or men. They come to Morgoth, seated on his throne of horror. Immediately, Luthien is revealed from her disguise, but she is undaunted, naming herself with her own name, and offers to sing from Morgoth. Now, you and I know the power of Luthien's singing. This power has enchanted and released Baron from any bondages, not the least of which was Sauron's dark dungeons. If I had been in Morgoth's place, I probably would not have let Luthien sing before me. But Morgoth is distracted by his pride and lust, and allows Luthien to sing. Escaping from Morgoth's sight, she sings a song of, quote, surpassing loveliness and of such blinding power that Morgoth is suddenly blinded. All members of his evil court fall to sleep, yet the Silmarils and Morgoth's iron crown suddenly blaze forth, quote, with a radiance of white flame. 
Luthien throws her robe of sleepiness before Morgoth's eyes, and he suddenly falls in slumber from his throne. Quote, the iron crown rolled, echoing from his head. All things were still. Luthien wakes Baron, for he too had fallen under her spell of sleep. With the knife Angrist, which he won from Karufin, he cuts loose one Silmaril and holds it in his hand. Now, remember several episodes and chapters back that Varda, queen of the Valar, had blessed the Silmarils that, quote, no mortal flesh, nor hands unclean, nor anything of evil will might touch them, but it was scorched and withered. Well, the Silmarils, much like Sauron's ring of power, seem to have taken a life or will of their own. For, quote, the jewel suffered his touch and hurt him not. But Baron sees an opportunity. Why take one Silmaril when they could release all three from the bondage of Morgoth's crown? Quote, but such was not the doom of the Silmarils. In attempting to cut another Silmaril loose, the knife Angris snaps and a shard hits Morgoth's sleeping cheek. Quote, he groaned and stirred and all the host of Angban moved in sleep. Baron and Luthien run for their lives, leaving their disguises behind. But as they near the gate, they find Karcharoth had woken from sleep. Baron holds the Silmaril before him, warning the wolf to leave, saying, Quote, for here is a fire that shall consume you and all evil things. Hmm, that reminds me of Frodo holding a light before another evil monster, Shelob. In fact, the light contained in this little file was the same light that blazes from the very Silmaril in Baron's hand. But Karcharoth, seeing the radiant light, is filled with a devouring spirit and bites Baron's hand off, swallowing the hand and the Silmaril whole. The fire of the Silmaril burns the wolf from the inside, and in anguish the wolf flees far into the south, but doesn't perish yet. Luthien, being weakened by her struggle with Morgoth, uses the last of her strength to tend to Baron. Venom from the wolf's fangs had entered the wound, yet Luthien drew out the poison with her own lips. Behind them, in the depths of Angband, the servants of Morgoth have awoken, and they can hear the pursuit coming for them. But in a moment of last despair, Thorondor, king of the great eagles, sweeps down with his servants and removes Baron and Luthien from danger. During the airborne journey, Luthien sees the hidden city of Gondolin far below, but worries that Baron will die. The eagles return them to the border forests of Doriath, landing them in the very spot where Luthien had healed Baron before from the wound of Karufin's arrow. Baron's spirit wanders, quote, upon the dark borders of death for a time, but he is finally healed and wakes to the soft singing of Luthien to Nuviel, quote, and it was spring again. From then on, Baron became known as Erkamion, meaning the one-handed. Now, there's a couple of lines from Sam in the books that I want to bring to your attention here. In the two towers, the hobbits are climbing the stairs to Kirith Ungol, and Sam is trying to give Frodo some encouragement by referencing great tales of the past, saying that the people in those tales, quote, had lots of chances like us of turning back, only they didn't. And a little later on, he says, quote, Baron now, he never thought he was going to get that Silmaril from the Iron Crown, and yet he did, and that was a worse place and a blacker danger than ours. Why, to think of it, we're in the same tale still. Don't the great tales never end? I love the idea of Sam taking inspiration from the tale of Baron and Luthien, though their quest was to get rid of an evil magic treasure rather than reclaim a hollowed magic treasure. But to strengthen the connection between the quest for the Silmaril and the quest to destroy the ring, there's a title that Sam gives to Frodo after the One Ring has been destroyed. Quote, What a tale we have been in, Mr. Frodo. I wish I could hear it told. Do you think they'll say, Now comes the story of Nine-Fingered Frodo and the Ring of Doom? And then everyone will hush, like we did, when in Rivendell they told us the tale of Baron One Hand and the Great Jewel. I see here a strong connection to Tolkien's idea that he expressed in the letter to Milton Waldman, where he said that, quote, the cycles should be linked to a majestic whole. We see a high-level narrative, the light of the trees being preserved in the Silmarils, Baron and Luthien's part in the tale, connecting even to Frodo's quest to destroy the ring. 
Since Luthien's departure, the kingdom of Doriath had become filled with silence. Vingal received such news of the quest as he could, and was led to believe that Baron had died and that Luthien was at Nargothrone. But new and unsettling tidings soon came to Thingol. A great wolf, driven by madness, fate, and the power of a Simril, was rampaging in the northern borders of the land, and approached Menegroth closer by the day. But at the same time, Baron and Luthien returned to Menegroth, and to continue the theme of releasing from bondage and the pattern in the power of music, quote, the news of their coming went before them like a sound of music borne by the wind into dark houses where men sit sorrowful. Baron kneels before Thingol, saying, quote, It is fulfilled. Even now, a Silmaril is in my hand. What Baron fails to say is that his hand is also in the stomach of the mightiest wolf to ever walk the earth, but regardless, the Silmaril is still in his hand. Thus, he has fulfilled the conditions of Thingol's impossible quest. Thingol asks to see the great jewel. Baron opens his left hand, and there's no Silmaril. Then he brings forth his right arm and shows that he has no hand. In amazement, Thingol and his court listen to the tale that Luthien and Baron now share of their journeys. Thingol realizes that Baron is, quote, unlike all other mortal men, and that he can't restrain Luthien's love for him and their doom together. In that moment, Baron and Luthien are married before the throne of Thingol. But the quest isn't over yet. The great wolf Karcharoth threatens the peace and safety of Doriath. So Thingol prepares to hunt the wolf, and with him goes Juan the wolfhound, Baron the one-handed, and two powerful elf lords in Thingol's court. But Luthien stays behind. Now, the choice to leave Luthien behind was pretty unwise, in my opinion. Let's just review a few of her history-changing actions during this story. Her songs have enchanted and released Baron, torn down stone towers, revealed dark pits, and even put the dark lord Morgoth to sleep. She has escaped from multiple captivities, healed Baron on multiple occasions, and threatened Sauron so badly that he fled in shame and humiliation. She's accomplished single-handedly what no single elf or man or even armies of elves and men even dared to do. And yet, when it comes time to hunt the wolf, they leave her behind? Not a wise choice, I think. Anyway, they corner the wolf Karcharoth. In the commotion of the hunt, the wolf lunges for Thingol. The Baron jumps between them with a great spear. The wolf brushes the spear aside and bites at Baron's chest. Juan the wolfhound takes up the battle, eventually slaying Karcharoth, but is fatally wounded. He falls besides Baron, speaks for the third time, what he says we're not told, bids Baron farewell, and dies. Thingol's companions slice open the belly of the wolf, which the inside appears to have been seared with a great flame. But the hand of Baron and the Silmaril are preserved, so Baron was technically correct in that in his hand was a Silmaril. They place the jewel in Baron's good hand, which he offers to Thingol, saying, quote, Now is the quest achieved, and my doom is full wrought. Notice the motif of doom again. Then he falls silent. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. They carry Baron back to Luthien, and just before he dies, she kisses him and bids him to, quote, await her beyond the Western Sea. Their eyes meet, and Baron's spirit leaves his body. Obedient to her bidding, his spirit waits in the halls of Mundos, quote, unwilling to leave the world until Luthien came to say her last farewell. You see, this gets a little murky here. 
When elves die, which is a rare occurrence, their spirits dwell in the halls of Mandos in the western blessed realm. But the spirits of men did not. Instead, they waited for a time, but then departed to the elves know not where. And you remember that elves are blessed with immortality, but can die from wounds or great burdens of grief, like Feanor's mother Miriel. So Luthien too eventually died, and her spirit fled to the halls of Mondos. Luthien kneels before the Valar Mondos and begins to sing. She mingles together two themes, quote, of the sorrow of the Eldar and the grief of men. There's another liminal space for you. We've seen her ability to make great deeds happen through song before, and this time is no different. Quote, Mandos was moved to pity, who never before was so moved, nor has been since. However, even the Valar cannot change the fate of the children of Iluvatar, and thus bring a man back to life. He seeks counsel from the High King Manwe, who in turn seeks the will of the creator Iluvatar. Two choices are given to Luthien. For the first choice, Luthien could rest from the griefs of mortality and dwell in the blessed realm forever, but Baron could not come there, for the Valar could not withhold death from the mortal man. For the second choice, Luthien and Baron could be restored to their mortal bodies and dwell in Middle-earth, but without a guarantee of peace or joy, and she, though she was born of Elf and Maiar, would become mortal, and both would die and leave the world forever. Well, it should be clear what Luthien chooses not only because she has demonstrated her love and devotion to Baron countless times, but I've also mentioned several times that Baron and Luthien had descendants, which is a kind of a big giveaway. But I need to call special attention to the fact that Luthien was given a choice, essentially a choice to live in peace forever, or to become mortal and live with her love, if only for the rest of their mortal lives. Quote, So it was that alone of the Aldalie, or elves, she has died indeed, and left the world long ago, Yet in her choice, the two kindreds have been joined. So their spirits return to their mortal bodies. They leave Doriath and live on an island in a river in the southeast of Beleriand. And there, Thingol's heir, Dior, was born of a human father and elven mother. Quote, No mortal man ever spoke again with Baron, son of Barahir, and none saw Baron or Luthien leave the world, or marked where at last their bodies lay. So that ends the tale of Baron and Luthien, and their quest to reclaim a Silmaril from the Iron Crown, and present it in Baron's hand. Even at the end, after Baron's mortal life had ended, Luthien released Baron from the bondage of lonely death. But before we go, I want to end with a line from Christopher Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien's son. Quote, in a letter to me on the subject of my mother, written in the year after her death, which was also the year before his own, he wrote of his overwhelming sense of bereavement, and of his wish to have Luthien inscribed beneath her name on the grave. He returned in that letter to the origin of the tale of Baron and Luthien, in a small woodland glade filled with hemlock flowers near Roos in Yorkshire, where she danced, and he said, But the story has gone crooked, and I am left, and I cannot plead, before the inexorable Mondos. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. For feedback on the show, please email me at lordoftheringspodcast at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at beginnersguidelotrpodcast. Until next week, remember, not all those who wander are lost.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.